people and buildings. Uh, I don't know. On that one, let's pray that it does. Uh, but they're not sure what they're going to do. They're looking at different things. Uh, so just keep our uh, state in prayer, and we'll talk about that a little bit more. Uh, again, while we're in phase two of reopening, we do not have a nursery worker back there taking care of a bunch of babies because that's no way they could kind of social distance and different things. So we do have it open with closed circuit television that a parent could bring their child in as like a cry room and be with them uh, once the child uh, uh, calms down and you're more than welcome to bring them back in here with you. Uh, also, there will be no van running on Sunday mornings picking people up uh, throughout phase two. And also Wednesdays, we're not gonna have Wednesday nights till we get back into at least phase three. Uh, Again, doors to come in church uh, on Sunday mornings, you have to come in through this door that we can kind of keep an accurate count of how many people's coming in. Uh, but when we dismiss uh, this, this afternoon, uh, well, it'll still be this morning, uh, those other side doors will be open that you can leave uh, uh, through more than one exit because it gets a little crowded back there uh, sometime exiting. So just a reminder of that. So another thing, just keep up with us on Facebook. Uh, those are watching online right now or watching through Facebook, that app, you could uh, follow us when you're not at church and actually hear the service live on Facebook. Facebook is where we put most of our information, announcements. So go to Christian Fellowship Church Facebook page, especially throughout this week. We're going to see what uh, if, if they make any announcement changes uh, of uh, coming on the 26th. We'll keep you up to date on that. There's also a CFC uh, app for your phone that you could go to on the Facebook page and on the church website. You'll see this icon, click on there. It'll walk you through the steps of installing it on your iPhone. And uh, I think it Android too, maybe, I don't know. Yeah, okay, and uh, so uh, you could watch sermons that are, have been, uh, not live, but uh, uh, from the week before, they'll be up on there. You could give through that app also. Uh, we have a YouTube channel for those that don't have Facebook. You can let them know. Go to Christian Fellowship Church, Pastor Scott Sheremy. The Sunday morning video that we're doing now will hopefully be posted up by this afternoon on that site. Uh, go there. And then again, our regular church website, welcometocfc.com. Uh, you could go on there. You could give online from there. Uh, watch all the sermons. Uh, not live, but uh, it, it'll be up that afternoon. And also, just want to remind everyone that have children uh, ages 6 through 11, New Generations Children's Church is going on right now. Kids are allowed back there, 6 through 11. Uh, but if you can't make it, they are going to be pre uh, recording and uh, preview, premiering their service tonight at 7 o'clock on the, uh, the New Generation page, and it should, should also be in the church uh, Facebook page. So that's about all the announcements we have this morning. I just want to wish everyone that's in here or at home, happy birthday, that's having a birthday between now and next Sunday. Do we have anyone in here having a birthday between now and next Sunday? Right back there, happy birthday, happy birthday. Two of them, all right. Anyone else? If you're having a birthday at home, if you're watching at home having a birthday, just write down, comment that it's your birthday. We want to tell you happy birthday. What about anniversary? Anyone having an anniversary between now and next Sunday? Right there, Tim, yo, uh, happy anniversary. How many years? 44. All right. Happy anniversary. All right. Anyone else? All right. At home, if you're watching and you have an anniversary this week, just put in your comment uh, anniversary, and we want to tell you happy anniversary also. 
All right, if we would, we're going to have to pick up our tithe and offerings uh, this morning, or, or you're going to come bring them to us. So just want to let you know how you could give. Um, there's three ways you can besides attending service here. You could go to welcome, www.welcometocfc.com and give on that site. You can mail it in through the regular post office at Post Office Box 1427, La Rose, Louisiana, 70373. At the end of the service, if you need that, if it's uh, too short for you to write down, you can rewatch the video and pause it there. Or you could drop it off on Mondays uh, from 9 to 2. Our financial secretary will be here. I'm here throughout the week. Brother Josh is here throughout the week. Uh, but as in phase uh, 2, the office is only officially open Monday uh, from 9 to 2. So you could drop it off there. So if you would... Uh, we're, this is the way we're going to do it before we read the scriptures. Is explaining again, most of you know, we're going to ask this side of the church to come first. Come up the side aisle, place the offering in the basket, then go down the center aisle. back. And then once you're through, I'll invite this side to come up the side aisle, drop off your offering, and then go back down the, uh, the center aisle. So side aisles are for going up, center aisles for going back. So that way we don't have people running into each other. All right, so let's just read a few verses of scripture uh, today. Uh, this is from Ezra 2.68. It says this, When they arrived at the house of the Lord in Jerusalem, some of the heads of the families gave freewill offerings toward the rebuilding of the house of God on its site. Matthew 10.8 says, Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. And 2 Corinthians 8. And three says, For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability entirely on their own. So take your offering and hold it in your right hand and repeat after me. Say, As I give in today's offering, I give freely with a thankful attitude. I give freely with no restraints upon my heart. Freely I have received and freely I give. Lord, Today is the day to be a joyful, liberal giver, for you have freely given to me all things. I am walking in freedom today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So at this time, this side of the church, if you'd come up down the side aisle and place your offering in this basket, amen.
back on? Okay, there we go. Amen. Just want to ask everyone to stand to your feet as we have our call to worship this morning. We're reading out the message paraphrase for the month of July. Uh, This is from uh, Psalms 138, verses 1 through 5. It says, Thank you. Everything in me says thank you. Angels listen as I sing uh, sing my thanks. I kneel in worship facing your holy temple, and I say it again. Thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your faithfulness. Most holy is your name. Most holy is your word. The moment I called out, you stepped in and made my life large with strength. When they, when they hear what you, have say, what you say, God, all earth's kings will say thank you. They'll sing of what you've done. How great is the glory of God. Father, we just come to you today. As we get ready to start this service this morning, Father God, we, we ask that your spirit would move in this place, Father God. I pray over all the people watching online, Father, that your spirit would move in their lives, in their homes right now, Father, as we come to worship you this morning, Father God. We just uh, empty ourselves of, of ourselves, Father God, and ask you to fill us with your Holy Spirit this morning as we worship you, Father. In Jesus' mighty and precious name we pray, and everyone says... Amen. Let's put our hands together in praise.
Great. 
tried to take hold of this nation, of his people. It's a stronghold and today it begins to break. As we say the name of Jesus, everything, everything has to bow in his name. Nothing can lift himself above the mighty name of Jesus. So as you begin to say his name, whatever it is that comes at you, whatever it is, you just have to say it. Jesus, because nothing can stand against his name. There is no name, there is no person greater or higher than the name of Jesus. Some of you are concerned with what you see in the media, in the news, social media. God says, don't look to that. Come to me and say, God, what do you think? Come to me for yourself. Don't be worried about what you see. Come to me and ask me. Don't let those people be who dictate what your future is. Not to say who's right and who's wrong. But come to me. I want to speak to you. I want to speak to you. I desire to speak to you. word that came through sister Kathy confirm what I want to share about this morning uh, that the Lord had put on my heart so if, if you would you could put on the light right now I want to dismiss our kids uh, three four and five uh, to their class if you have your Bible you need to take it out today if you have your cell phone you need to take out your cell phone and open up your Bible app if that's how you follow along um, This morning, I've added over two pages of notes that you don't have that I, I, I wasn't going to speak about this morning. Uh, but yesterday, it just stayed in my spirit. And this morning, when I woke up, I felt I had to. And with the two prophetic words that came out this morning, I realized it was God that has really uh, 
talking about this. And uh, so let's just go to the Lord in prayer as we get started first this morning. Amen. Father, I just come to you this morning. I lift up this entire congregation to you right now. Those listening online uh, uh, right now and in the future, Father God, I just pray for each and every one of us, Father God, as we get into your word, Father God, that you unveil our eyes, that we could see your truth of your word this morning, Father God, that you unveil our hearts, that we may know you better today, Father. Open our ears that we could hear the truth of the word this morning, Father God. Open our minds to comprehend your word this morning. And as Paul prayed for the Ephesian church, church, Father, I pray that you would give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation that we may know you better, that we may know your heart better this morning. In Jesus' mighty and precious name we pray and everyone says, Amen, Amen, Amen. If you get your Bibles out, again, like I said, apps, because I want you to get these scriptures uh, down, so if you have an ink pen, you could write on the page of notes we've given you already, these extra scriptures. But what I want to begin talking about, this message is entitled Joy, and I thought about changing it to Gumbu. Why would I want to change the title Joy to Gumbu? Well, how many of you know a Gumbu is a whole bunch of things put together and when you, when you, so when somebody, when my wife tells me I'm cooking gumbo, it brings joy to me, right? How, how many, how many of you would not mind going home today, and there, when you walk through the front door, there's a giant pot of chicken sausage gumbo with potato salad. Oh, even if it's hot outside, we don't care. Oh my goodness. So it brings joy. So I didn't change the title. Again, I printed the notes yesterday. I, I didn't change the title of this. But this is what I want to begin talking about. And, and again, tying in with the words here that was going on. Uh, first thing I want to put up is, is there's, the governor of Louisiana has called for a three, three days of uh, prayer and fasting. And that is starting tomorrow through Wednesday. And I want to encourage you. I implore you, I ask you to join in uh, the state of Louisiana uh, in this three days of fasting and prayer. Now, you may not be able to fast the whole three days, all the meals you could, if you want. There's many different kinds of fasts. I'm telling you one fast I'm doing is social media. I will not be on social media. So tomorrow there will not be any Monday question of the week on Christian Fellowship Church page. Uh, so it'll be Thursday before I'm fasting Facebook. There's too much garbage on there. I need to clear your minds a little bit. Things. Uh, the only news I'm going to watch is if the governor does a press conference because I need to be informed of how it affects the church here. Uh, fasting all that. My plans right now is to fast lunch and breakfast and just eat a, a supper each night. But again, prayer throughout this. So how many of you are willing to do this? How many say, you, you know, I'll fast something, a special prayer? Uh, I, I want to encourage you for that. And the reason, again, is how all this tied together on, uh, this isn't in the computer. I want to thank Matthew and Nathaniel for doing a great job on the computer with the scriptures. Uh, sometimes I go all over the place and I always follow the script I put in. And uh, that keeps them on their tools. That's what I tell them. But <laughs> they do a great job. So this scripture is not in there right now. Um, but it was Monday night or Tuesday night. After I had uh, 
gave a message last Sunday morning titled United, and I talked about in United of the way that the enemy works, that we are not to be unaware of the devil's schemes, the way he works. And I I spoke on last week two of the things that the Satan is using right now to divide the house of God, divide the nation, but divide the house of God. Also, because Jesus said any kingdom divided against itself will not stand. And I said the first thing he was using was the political realm in this country right now to bring division. And then I talked about that he uh, was bringing the vision through uh, the racial realm, of a race thing going all over the United States. And uh, if you did not listen to that message, go back. I went into detail and a lot more of that, that we are not to be unaware of the devil's schemes. And I, I, I talked about why he, why he wants to do those things is to distract you from the main thing. Right? If somebody walks through that back door right now and screams, guess where every one of your head's going? To what's making the loudest noise. And so what he wants to do is make enough noise to take your eyes off the Lord. Our Bible tells us we are to fix our eyes on Jesus and stay fixed on him. But he's trying to pull us away. And, and I talked about in the political realm is that he's trying to get you to believe, even the, the body of Christ, that a certain person and race or organization is going to heal this country. No, only God can. As Sister Kathy had prophesied in Alaska too, God's trying to get his people to call to him back, to quit looking to other things. And this is exactly uh, Monday or Tuesday night. Uh, in the morning, Suzanne uh, says... Last night, just the Lord kept putting in her spirit Isaiah 22. Isaiah 22. What does? What is Isaiah 22? And I said, Well, I, I really don't know. I'd have to go, you know, look up and uh, try and see what it says. And and this is just I want to read a brief thing out of it and explain a little bit about it. But this was a prophecy about Jerusalem, and it says this in verse 12, Isaiah 22:12, The Lord, the Lord Almighty, called you on that day to weep and wail. And I believe the governor just so happened to call for our, our state to, to fast and pray, to turn to God for answers. And I believe that came uh, to Suzanne to remind us that God's calling us to repent. God's calling us as a nation to repent. God's calling us as a church to repent, to turn back to him. He says, um, to weep and to wail, to tear out your hair and put, it on, put on sackcloth. Uh, but see, there is joy. Uh, but see, he says, there is joy and revelry, slaughtering of cattle and killing of sheep, eating of meat and drinking of wine. Let us eat and drink, you say, for tomorrow we die. And he, what he begins talking about is you, you're just going to keep on going, that the people are not turning back to God. And if, if you read the whole chapter and to sum, summarize it up real quick, it was they had began drifting away from God and began putting their trust in people and things instead of God. And I believe that's where we're at in America again. That we're in that stage. So uh, we need to know that we need to begin fasting and praying for our country. Not just talking about it, but actually doing it. Again, uh, I talked about the things last week in this. But God reminded me about the first message I preached this year on Vision Sunday. Now this is all tying itself together this week. My message for Vision Sunday this week 
uh, this year, first uh, Sunday of, of the year, was on 2020, and we talked about clear vision. And now that I look back on that message today, I even understand that message even clearer today than I did back then. God says he was going to, I believe that 2020 clear vision, when he says perfect vision, God is going to begin, this year is showing America what's really in its heart. It's revealing, showing what's really in the heart of this country and, and around the world in people's hearts. And uh, what I talked about on that Sunday, I, I got just my note right here from it, was in Revelations where he says, I know your deeds, you work hard and doing all these things. He says, but in verse 4 he says, and Matthew, this isn't in there. It says, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the, uh, the love you had at first. In other words, you've forsaken your first love. Consider, and he says this, consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from this place. And I begin thinking about all those things God's dealing, showing us in this country right now about this country. That we, we, we had a, you know, we met on Sundays and all these things and, and people did and all things were great. But people have left the, their first love. And I'm going to talk about this a little bit more in a minute. But one of the things we, I talked about, the po- first point on that uh, sermon was that God wanted us to put God first back in everything. That God was to be first in everything in your life again. And I believe 2020 vision, he, God's showing us where, that he was not first in our life. You got steel toes on? Okay, because <laughs> I'm going to share a few things this morning that we might need some steel toes for. God, and, and you've probably seen this post kind of on Facebook before, but God this year has stripped away everything. Everything closed. No more sports, no more this, no more that. Can you even agree that there was no, he even stripped church in the beginning? You were only allowed 10 people and you could not even go to church anymore. Think about that. Now, if, if my memory serves me right, I remember a giant uproar in the Christian community and everywhere else of how dare they say that the church was non-essential. I am so offended that the church would be classified as a non-essential business and, and went down and people were appalled and just screaming and how and today I look back and I say God I, I think many of us thought the house of God was essential in our life but it never really was you want proof look around you right now every church across America is Missing millions of people. If church is essential, how you could cry that church is uh, considered not essential and you're so upset, but where are you at? 
Can I tell you the first time we had service back here? I forget who I shared it with. But when we, the day we were just uh, could open, I think we could go back to 50. I was so worried that we'd have so many people here. What we were going to do when 50 people showed up and, you know, uh, man, I don't want to turn anybody away at the door and things like this. You know what? We didn't even have come close to that. I think we had 25 people. And can I share with you, not one person that I've seen complaining online of that how the church could be essential even came. The only people that were here were the ones that did not complain. I've never seen anything about them complaining. But yet those who had barked the loudest, sad to say, still haven't made it back. So is church really essential? See, if it's essential in your life, it takes first place in your life, priority in your life. In other words, you plan your life around that priority. But I think in America, how God stripped everything away, and in Hebrews it says to rid yourself of the sin and the things that so easily entangle you, is that in America, we like God as a backup. Sure, I'm going to go to church if nothing else comes up. I'm not talking about people work and you have schedules and things like that. And again, go on vacations, do those things. But a regular everyday Sunday, if, if is this okay to talk like this? That I'm going to cry about I can't go to church, that the government says that to protect people you can't go to church, but yet you're not here when it is open and you can What's wrong with that picture? Maybe God's just revealing to you that the house of God is really not priority in your life. Because you're still not back. And I understand those protecting of their health, but it's funny how we could use the COVID when we wanted to. Oh, well, I'm not going back because of the COVID situation. Well, you were still, they were stopping you from going to church because of the COVID situation. And you complained. Right? Okay, let, let me get going to a little more. I'm sorry. Let's go. So we need to understand that God is trying to make us call out to him again. That God wants first place in our lives again. Second Chronicles 7.14, this is in your notes. It says this. If that little two-letter word is the biggest word in that whole paragraph. If. The only people in Louisiana is going to understand this. If if was a Lafitte skiff, we'd all go for a ride. Right? If if was a skiff, we'd all go for a ride. Now, everybody that's out of state right now, what's the world's a Lafitte skiff? <laughs> In other words, God's telling, and this is where I believe he's calling us, America, to the point right now. I think we're on the edge. We could go either way. He says, if my people, talking about God's people, who are called by my name, will, number one, humble themselves. 
and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Next verse. It says, Now my eyes, one does they do this, now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. We're at the if moment right now, I believe, in time. And can I say again, it's not Donald Trump, it's not Joe Biden, it's not the Obamas, it's not Black Lives Matter, it's not White Lives Matter, it's not All Lives Matter. There's no organization, political party that can save us. Only him. Only him. Now, we just worked on the roux. Time to throw in a few onions for the gumbo. <laughs> yes, let me pull this out here. The governor has uh, issued, again, that churches aren't mandatory to wear these in public. But I've never seen so many Christians get upset over this. I understand. I, I don't like them. I don't want to wear them either. But this is a distraction. Last week I talked about you were given the ministry of reconciliation. We are here to be a light into the world, to, to lead them in the right way. And the, the government, uh, if they order this, I will wear it. Wherever I need to, I'm going to wear it, okay? Do I like it? No. Not at all. Can I address this issue with you? How many of you, are we going to be like Baptists for a few minutes? Baptists like to vote. So I'm going to let you vote for a second, okay? How many, well, if, if, you only could vote if you're registered to vote now, okay? <laughs> That's just a plug. Make sure you register to vote later for later on. But how many of you believe God is a God of order? God, is God a God of order? He, there's order to everything he does. It's not done out of chaos with no order and no things, right? Okay, so who believes this God is not a God of order? We had a few neutral people that don't know what to vote right now. God is a God of order. And what I need you to understand is God's establishment of basically three primary institutions in this world. That ha- and they all have order. He established the family or the marriage or whatever you want to call the family, right? Very first in the beginning, he created Adam. And he was telling Adam before he created Eve, order in this thing is that I'm most important in your life. I'm the first relationship in your life. You, you go by me, you listen to my word. Then God said, it's not good for man to be alone. And I always say, I, I, I find it so fascinating that it's not Adam asking God for Eve. God's the one that introduced her to him. Because Adam found everything he needed in the Lord. He was completely satisfied in his relationship with the Lord. Now, let's talk about family. Is there order in family? Is there supposed to be order in family? Does God's word say anything about order in family? Well, I believe. He says, wives submit to your husbands. Husbands love your wives as the Lord. Children obey and honor your mother and father. For father? 
I don't know what accent that was. Father. <laughs> Honor your mother and fathers. Right? Do we see? And he says, so it may go well with you. Fathers don't uh, acerbate your children or, you know, do things. We see that there is a structure to keep peace in the family and order, right? Now, next institution was the church. You know, we could say our religion and things. So is there rules and guidelines? There's pastors. There's, there's things to be leaders in the church. There's all this. Uh, in Corinthians, it talks about, uh, you know, order and speaking in tongues and all these things. Do we see order in the church? Yeah. He, he has established different things in the church. Order. Then the third thing we see is government. Civil government, which is totally different than the family, which is totally different than the church organization. Okay? Now, for a second, let's get back to the church organization. Jesus did defy many of the church leaders, the, the rabbis and the, and the things like that, because they were wrong in their interpretation of Scripture. And they were wrong. Even, they even took God's word and added things in their own that God never said. And they were trying to get people to follow those rules that they made, their man-made rules that God never had said. And when they would try and push it on Jesus, Jesus says, no, 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 no. That, that, that's, not, that's not what it is. But why, let's take a look. Yeah, are you speeding that clock up up there? <laughs> Let's take a look where it comes to civil order, okay? So, again, there's the order of the family, there's the, the church, and there's civil government. So let's talk about civil government right now. And guess where this comes from? An order of this mass comes from civil government. All three situations, if it goes against the word of God, you don't do it. Okay, if your parent tells you to sin, commands you to sin, no, you don't honor that request that they're given. Make sense? If anything, in, in, uh, again, with Jesus' situation, they were telling him things that were not true, and he was correcting them on it. Okay? So notice when it talks about civil government. Again, let me just read a few things. God's plan always includes divine order. This is evident and, and clear in guidelines in the home, the, the church, and civil government. His plan, what his plan does is it institutes peace and order in every situation. God's plan brings peace and order to each thing. Okay? Sin is called lawlessness. Where, where lawlessness is that there is no guideline. God is a God of law. So, now, this is where you have to be careful. I'm, I'm going to let you understand, when, when God's law is ignored in either one of these three areas, it brings on chaos and strife. When God's law was followed in the garden, there was peace and everything. The second the law wasn't followed when they took the bite, death and chaos came in. 
God is a God of order. So let's look, open your Bibles to Romans chapter 13. This will be up on the screen. Now it's important that I realize what is being talked about here. This is being talked about the civil government, the regular government authorities in the land, sheriffs, uh, uh, things like that, governors, presidents. And notice what it says here. Let who? No, no, that wasn't everyone. That was three of you. Let who? Everyone. everyone. Oh, wait. Is this the word of God? It is. What does the word of God do? It corrects us, corrects us, teaches us to live the way God wants us to. Notice this. Let everyone be subject to who? Governing authorities. What he's talking about is the civil authorities with civil, civil laws, the laws of the land. Again, you, you are not commanded to disobey if it's an order that goes against the word of God. I mentioned it last week. If the 11th commandment said, Thou shall not wear a mask, then I don't care what they say, I'm not going to wear a mask. Because it would be going against the word of God. Let everyone be subject to governing authorities. For there, notice this, there is no authority except that which God has established you catching this the authority the civil government is god established and ordained and has order to it to keep peace in the land he says uh the authorities that exist has been established by god let me get back here to my paper verse 2 says consequently Whoever rebels against the civil authority. Do I need to finish? What is he telling you? He says, I'm telling you. He's saying, if you rebel against the authority that God has set up, you're not really rebelling against them. You're rebelling against God. Can I tell you, some of us have gone into our Disguising our rebellion and pride into faith. Oh, I got faith. I don't need to wear a mask. I don't want to wear a mask either. I don't want to go 30 miles an hour through Golden Meadow. I remember when I didn't want to wear a seatbelt. I remember when I didn't want them to tell me drinking and driving was bad. Because I used to like to drink and drive. Hmm. I, I know I'm not the only guilty one of that. Right? But the law does things to keep peace and keep people from getting harmed. Right? So he says that, that when the government is established, you don't have to agree with everything they said, but you still have to obey unless it contradicts the word of God. Because if you don't, you're not rebelling against the authority, you're really, a, really a rebelling against God. 
says, consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And notice this. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. Again, he's talking civil law there. Let's look at a couple of other things here. Second Timothy, I mean, First Timothy 2, 1 and 4. Says as I urge you then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, and intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people. He's talking about we need to, we we have believers need to be in prayer and petition. Again, uh, we're starting a, a three-day uh, fasting and prayer for our state tomorrow and nation, and we're, we're we need to pray. And notice what he says that you are to pray for kings. And all those in authority. Pray for your leaders, your kings. And he, he's saying, we the church need to begin to pray for the civil authorities. Now, be careful. Don't pray, oh, Lord, let them be assassinated. No, that's not what you're supposed to pray. Okay? That's not what you're supposed to pray. All right? He says, pray for them. Why? That we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all goodness and holiness. We are to pray for those in authority, that the governing civil authority. And then notice what it goes on to say, that when you do this, this is good and pleases God our Savior. So can I make this assumption? If this pleases God... Not doing it, I think, would displease him. Number four, uh, verse four says, Who wants, he wants all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And I left that scripture in because I talk, that's what I talked about last night. We get so distracted. The devil's scheme is to get you so distracted that you lose verse 4. You get so caught up in the politics so much in these earthly things that have no eternal value, but yet you forget about the eternal value. Can I tell you something? If, if everybody that put up Anything on Facebook about a mass would have preached the gospel with as much enthusiasm and excitement as they do for this mass. People would have got saved. But this is more important than the gospel. That's, what, that's where the devil got you. He got you sidetracked. Arguing about things that you don't even need to argue about. Do you like them? I don't like them. I don't like it. I'm not, I'm not pro-mass. I'm anti-mass. But I'm pro-God and God tells me that I need to listen to my civil authorities. First Peter 2, 13-17. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to what? Every human authority. And I, I want to throw this out there. That's including police officers. Whether to the emperor, again, he's talking about civil authority here. He's not talking about in the church. He's not talking about the family thing, civil authorities. Whether to the emperor 
as supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him, sent by God to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of the foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom uh, as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show people proper respect. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God and honor the emperor. You see where he covers all three bases there? The family, God, the relationship with God, and civil authorities. Now, let's continue. I want to show you two examples of Jesus on earth dealing with civil authority, dealing with rabbis and those things, Sadducees and Pharisees that were things. Watch, how it, watch what happens here. Matthew twenty-two fifteen 15 through 21. Then the Pharisees went out and laid plans to trap Jesus in his words. They sent the, their disciples to him along with the Hedrians. Teacher, they say, we know that you are a man of integrity and that you teach the way of God in accordance with your truth. He says, you aren't swayed by others. Now, what's going on is he had been correcting the uh, Pharisees and Sadducees in religious things. Okay? And they're trying to trap him, and they say this. They say this, you aren't swayed up by others because you pay no attention to who they are. Tell us then, what is your opinion? Is it right now they're taking it to civil law? You see, he had been rebelling against their religious leaders who were wrong in that field. But when it came to civil law, notice what he says. Is it right to pay imperial tax to Caesar or not? In other words, many people today say, I don't like, how many of you enjoy paying tax? But we do because it's civil law. We have to. Now notice what Jesus says. But Jesus, knowing their evil intent, said, You hypocrites, why are you trying to trap me? He says, Show me the coin used for paying the tax. They brought him a denarius, and he asked them, Whose image is on this, and whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. And notice what he tells to them. Caesar's, they replied. Then he told them this. So give back to Caesar what is Caesar's. And to God what is God's. Now look at that statement. I want you to see what Jesus was actually doing. He, he was telling them you could be in submission to two authorities at one time. He's letting them know at the, at the end we need to be in submission to God. But you also could be in submission to some uh, civilian authority. That's why he's saying, you don't like to pay taxes, but that's the law. Give it to him. But just because you're giving Caesar the tax doesn't mean you're not under God. You see, I could, be, I could follow civil law and still follow God, unless the civil law tells me to disobey my God. 
that making sense? Think about it. He says, give, give it to them because it's them. Their authority has been established by my Father to govern the earth. Now, quickly. John 19, 7 through 11. This is when Jesus is getting ready to go through trial. And let, let me explain a little bit here. When, when you remember Jesus going through trial, he stood trial before the Pharisees and Sanhedrin and all this, and under the Jewish laws and customs and, and things of that. And they were separate than the Roman law that was over the land. The Jewish people were under the Roman Empire. But they had their own laws, and the Roman Empire didn't really like to mess with them. He, they let them have their court and deal with their religious issues with the institution of the church by themselves. But the Romans told them, you cannot kill anybody. You cannot crucify anybody. We're putting a limitation on you. Deal with your religious things how you want, but you cannot kill anybody. So the, the uh, religious organization said, well, we need, to get Caesar, we need to get them to pronounce Jesus to be crucified. We need to trick them. We need to get the civil authority involved. And notice what he goes on to say. The Jews answered him, we have a law. That, that's what he said. He said, I know this is a civil law in Roman culture, but we, the Jewish people, have a law. And it says, according to our law, he ought to die. But they're in a bind. They cannot sentence a person to death because of Roman occupation. Because he himself, he made himself to be the son of God. Therefore, when Pilate heard that saying, he was even more afraid. He knew trouble was on the horizon. He knew protests were on the horizon. He knew everything was going to go crazy. He says, and he went into the uh, praetorium and said to Jesus, he's trying to straighten this out. He says, where are you from? He says, you're being accused of this, but where are you from? Okay. He's, uh, Pilate's asking him this, but Jesus gave him no answer. Then Pilate said to him, are you not speaking to me? And this is where he begins to pull civil authority. He says, hey, I'm Pilate. Do you refru refuse to speak to me? And then Jesus says this. Uh, he says, uh, Pilate says, don't you know that I have the power or the authority to crucify you and the power or authority to release you? And Jesus gave this answer. Now, you, you need to hold on, hold on to this. Jesus says, you could have no power at all against me. But, what's that next word? Unless it, had, it, unless it had been given to you from above. See, Jesus did not bypass civil authority with religion. Therefore, he said, then he goes on to say, therefore, the one who delivered me to you has a greater sin. He's, talk, he's talking about Caiaphas and those, Judas and all those. He says, but I, my father has placed me and only you can announce my crucifixion. 
In other words, he's saying, I'm going to submit myself to you when you announce that I need to be crucified. I'm not going to call down the angels from heaven to fight you. You're the man of authority and civil authority. And even though I am the Son of God, my Father has given you the authority over me. And I submit and allow you to arrest me. You see that? See, Jesus fought a lot of people, but he never fought the civil authority. He, he set the example for each and every one of us. So can I say, quit bickering. Quit bickering. You're not rebelling. I'm sorry. You're not rebelling against the authority. You're rebelling against God. Can I dare to say that we as Christians still have a lot of pride and control issues in our life? And 2020 is where God wanted us to show us how much we still have inside? How much we still want to be in charge? How much we want it our way and no other way? And I didn't even start to touch my other notes yet. (laughs) We're running out of time. You give me five minutes? Okay. I'm going to let you give me five, and I'm going to take five. So that's ten. I want you to understand, these are with your notes here. I'm going to go quickly. I have the if-only syndrome. Joy comes following the Lord and doing His will. When I'm walking in the purpose and calling of my life, that's the only time I'm going to find joy. What's your calling? We talked about that last week. He gave you the ministry of reconciliation, bringing people to Christ. When I'm doing anything other than that, I probably won't have joy. That's the only thing that's going to bring joy to my life. And sad to say, a lot of us are in the if-only syndromes. The only way I'm going to have joy, if only this would change. If only I had a better job, if only this would happen, if only that would happen, if only this, if only that, you know. If only coronavirus would go away. Well, you weren't so happy before coronavirus came. (laughs) Right? We were if only in before coronavirus came. We, if, only, if only when my house is paid off, if only when my car is paid off, I'll be happy. Well, apparently you weren't happy. That's why you got a new house. Because if only I could get that house, I'd be happy. If only I could get that car, that would bring me joy. Now, if only I could pay it off, I'd be happy. The if only syndrome. The if only syndrome is when I put any focus on anything else but God. That's why it says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who showed us how to go through. There's nothing else that's going to bring you joy as much as a a relationship with Jesus Christ. Psalms 118, 24 through 25 says this, The Lord has done it this very day. This, 
other translation says, this is the day the Lord has made. So let us rejoice when? Today. And be glad. Let us rejoice today. And be glad. Lord, save us. Lord, grant us success. Let us rejoice today. Not if only. Because I'm never going to run out of the if onlys. The devil's going to make sure you got plenty if onlys if that keeps you unhappy and unsatisfied in the Lord. Next verse on your page talks about Paul saying that he has learned to be content in all situ situations, things. But I want to show you something in 2 Corinthians 11, 23 through 28. If there was ever someone who could be angry, it's Paul. As he's on his second year of house arrest, waiting to be taken to trial, probably to be crucified, probably to be killed in his opinion. And notice what he goes on to say. Are they servants of Christ? And he, he begins, I'm out of my mind with this. People, and he's talking about complaining. And I know we, we, we're, we feel locked up and we, we're, tensions begin to build. But notice what Paul says. And I am more. He says, I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. At 40 lashes, they, they thought that it would kill you. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I wouldn't go on a cruise with him. Um, I spent a night and a day at open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I've been in, in danger for, from rivers, in dangers from bandits, in dangers from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger of the city, in danger of the country, in danger at sea, in danger of false believers, have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I, I'm faced with the daily concerns and pressures concerning all the churches. Yeah, but Paul, you never had to wear one of these. <laughs> Woo! I hope that just made a point to you. How petty we are. If anyone would have had a right to complain besides Jesus was Paul. But notice Paul's attitude. And that's why in the beginning he's I'm out of my mind. I don't even want to go there. I don't want to even go there. I've been through so much more than everybody else. But Philippians 1, 1 through 7 says this. Listen how... Paul responds as he's knowing he's been through all this in jail. He says this, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ, Jesus. I love the way he starts that. He says, I know my calling. I don't care what trials I have to go through life. We know our calling. Our eyes are fixed on Jesus. The enemy wants to take and turn all kinds of different ways, but my eyes are fixed on Jesus. And he says, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus 
at, at Philippi. He says, together with our overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Lord and Father Jesus Christ. Grace and peace to you from our Lord Jesus Christ. How many know that so many people today would have just been, oh me, oh my. The sufferings I'm going through. He went through all that, but yet he still was an encourager to other people. He wasn't talking about his suffering. To keep the main thing, the main thing. He says, I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy. You mean with that lineup of life you just had, you just told us about, you still have joy. Why? Because joy isn't based on your circumstances. Because our circumstances is if only. If only. God says this is the day he's made. Rejoice in today. He says, I always think of you with joy um, because your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it out unto completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since, you have, uh, since I have you in my heart and whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. Whether I'm in chains, whether I'm wearing a mask, whether I'm anywhere, I'm here to share the gospel and the joy of the gospel because God is faithful to complete the work that he began in you. Amen. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Amen. I just, again, a reminder, next three days of prayer and fasting for our country, our state. Father, I just come to you right now. I thank you for your word today, Father God. And I just pray for each and every person right now, Father God, that you continue to work in each and every one of our lives, Father God, to make us be, Father God, the uh, people that you want us to be, that we could be a light into this sh- a darkened world, Father God, that we realize our most important thing in life is to bring people to you, Father God. Father, we just pray for all our authorities right now, our governor, our president, uh, all the uh, cops and local officials right now, Father God. I just pray for them right now, their protection over their life. But I also pray that if any of those do not know you, I pray that they would come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and they would begin to uh, bring across this community, Father God, your will and uh, on this earth, Father God, that each and every one of their hearts would be changed and compassion t- toward you, Father God, as your Holy Spirit would work through them, Father God, to lead this nation, Father. I thank you for that right now. In Jesus' mighty and precious name we pray, and everybody says, Amen. Amen. God bless you. We love you.